Hello, and welcome to Never the Twins Shall Meet, a podcast hosted by twin sisters, separated by distance, but united by nerdiness. I'm your host, Lulu. And I'm your co-host, Pi. Pi, is there anything that you've been into or up to lately that you'd like to tell our listeners about before we dive into the episode? Well, I am due to go back to campus and start my academic semester pretty soon, so I've been doing some frantic reading before then. I just finished rereading Jade City by Fonda Lee, which is a really awesome adult fantasy novel set in kind of like this modern Asian city, and it follows a family of gangsters. And in this world, Jade gives you super awesome like martial powers, and they're all members of like the Society of Green Bones who use Jade to like control crime in the city. And it's really good. It also gave me a lot of emotions, which I was not expecting because it'd been a while since I read it. Jade City has been on my to-read list forever and ever to my great shame. I also read Star Eater by Kirsten Hall, which maybe takes the cake for the most bizarre book that I have read this year, because the closest summary that I can come up with is bisexual nuns who ride giant cats and live on a big floating island that they keep aloft through magic, and also men turn into zombies if you have sex with them. But it was also a super interesting exploration of like inherited power and revolution and the system and the problems inherent in a system where people inherit power from their parents. So it was a super interesting book, if extremely weird. I, I feel like that might honestly take the cake for the weirdest book that both of us have read this year, because I don't think I can top that. <laughs> Perhaps. I have also been rereading DC Bombshells, which is a really excellent alternate universe comic set in a DC Comics world, sort of like the 1940s, but with a lot of female superheroes, like it's Batwoman instead of Batman, Mira instead of Aquaman, Supergirl instead of Superman, and it's also really, really gay. So if you would like to read a comic where Catwoman shamelessly flirts with Batwoman while running over Nazis with her car, then that is the comic for you. Truly, what more could you want from a comic? Really nothing. In terms of what I've been up to, I'm kind of in the opposite situation from you where I'm gearing up to end my academic semester. So I've mostly been preparing for finals and move out and stuff. I was kind of stressed. So I decided to like defuse my stress by (laughs) reading something that I knew I would enjoy, which was Midnighter and Apollo by Steve Orlando. And we discussed this in our fourth episode, but it's a very good comic that's kind of like, a superhero retelling of Warcraft and Eurydice. You are already very aware that I read this because the other day I FaceTimed you because I had many thoughts and emotions on this comic. It is a comic worth having lots of thoughts and emotions about. We did talk about it more in our fourth episode if you want to hear me talk about that for like 45 minutes. But basically it's a really good comic. Um, I, I enjoyed rereading it a lot. It's like, it's just about fighting the entire legions of hell to get the person you love back. Good comic. I've also been reading my way through classic X-Men comics, which I think I mentioned last time, but I'm still doing that because surprise, there's a lot of them. Many thoughts on Madeline Pryor, head full. I do not have time to go into them. Maybe we'll talk about that more in a future episode. And also I have been kind of finishing up this summer reading challenge I set for myself. So I have also been reading Becoming a Man, the story of a transition by P. Carl, which is a nonfiction book that's like a, a memoir by a trans man who came out later in life, kind of reflecting on his experiences with masculinity and gender. So, you know, <laughs> I've been reading a range of things. That certainly is a range. Well, today we are here to talk about The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. The Murderbot Diaries are a sci-fi series, so far five novellas and one novel, and I believe there were at least nine installments total planned. 
And Martha Wells has written a lot of fantasy books like the Raxura Chronicles and the Death of the Necromancer, but I believe that the Murderbot Diaries are her most popular series so far, and with good reason, we both love them, and so do a lot of other people. Today we're covering the first four novellas in the series, All Systems Red, Artificial Condition, Rogue Protocol, and Exit Strategy. These four novellas kind of make up a cohesive story arc, but obviously there's more installments coming later and we're definitely going to read them because we really enjoyed them and really love Murderbot, but that's what we're just going to be focusing on today because there is a book, but neither of us have read it yet. So the basic premise of the Murderbot Diaries is that they follow a very grouchy artificial construct, a sec unit short for security unit, who works as a bodyguard in a far future galaxy, mostly ruled by capitalism and big corporations. This sec unit has named itself Murderbot, an ironic nod to an incident in its past where its governor module, which is tech that controls it, malfunctioned and caused it to murder a lot of people. After the incident, Murderbot hacked its governor module so that sort of thing could never happen again, but to outsider appearances, it's still a regular sec unit that obeys the orders of the company that created it. Murderbot largely spends its day watching media, doing its duty as a bodyguard for whatever humans the company assigns it to, and pretending to still be a regular sec unit that has not hacked its governor module, because it just really wants to be left alone to watch TV. Murderbot is really one of my, like, favorite fictional characters, and definitely one of my favorite depictions of a robot or an AI, and its narrative voice, and it, like, it as a protagonist, is really one of, like, the major reasons that I like this series so much. Yeah, the narrative voice is so good and so unique. Murderbot may be an artificial construct created from a mixture of robot and cloned parts, but it has one of the most relatable and human and funny voices that I've ever encountered in fiction. I mean, the thing about Murderbot is that it's kind of grouchy and it hates having emotions and like having to talk to people, but it secretly cares a lot about the humans that it's looking over. But like, it also just kind of wants to be left alone to watch TV and read books, which is kind of a mood. The novellas are told in first person, so you get like a really close perspective of Murderbot, and it's really funny, but also deeply relatable, but also kind of emotional, because Murderbot is a very human character, but is treated as less than human by the company that owns it, because it's seen only as a creature made to do the bidding of this big corporation, and it has like technology that forces it to do exactly what people want it to do, so it's not seen as a person, even though we, the reader, are inside Murderbot's head and know that it has just as many emotions as people do. However, it's also pretty emphatically not interested in becoming a human. It likes being a sec unit, it likes being part AI, which I liked because like, hey, why would the ultimate life goal for a non-human to be to become a human? The series is, is kind of an exploration of how like capitalism sucks and kind of what it's like to be living in a society that treats you as an object rather than a person. But it's also done in this very start, like kind of sardonic, sarcastic, funny way that's also like really relatable. Like the number of times that I thought to myself, wow, this is such an intensely relatable mass murdering artificial intelligence is, is really high considering, you know, the main character is a mass murdering artificial intelligence, but it's also just very relatable. Extremely. So the first novella in this series is All Systems Red, and the plot is kicked off when Murderbot is sent as a bodyguard for a group of scientists who are surveying a supposedly empty planet, only for it to turn out to not actually be empty, and that the other people on it are trying to kill slash sabotage them. Murderbot, who actually cares a lot about its clients, even though it pretends not to, has to try to save them, while also figuring out who wants them dead and how to save them. 
And also the clients are part of another group who are like a lot nicer than the corporation that owns Murderbot and kind of treat it more like a person rather than like an object or a tool, which it finds like kind of disorienting and it doesn't really know how to deal with. So there's sort of some like interpersonal development happening, even though there's also like high stakes, we have to save my clients from getting murdered stuff happening. I have to say, I was pretty much sold on this series as soon as I read the very first paragraph of the very first novella, which is extremely iconic for a reason and gives you a really great feel for like the tone of the series immediately. Actually, I think I just have to read it right now just to give you all an example of what Murderbot's voice is like. So this novella begins, I could have become a mass murderer after I hacked my governor module, but then I realized I could access the combined feed of entertainment channels carried out on the company's satellites. It had been well over 35,000 hours or so since then, with not much murdering, but probably, I don't know, a little under 35,000 hours of movies, serials, books, plays, and music consumed. As a heartless killing machine, I was a terrible failure. I just, I love Murderbot so much. So this novella is about Murderbot rescuing its clients and sort of realizing like there are people in the world that are willing to treat it like a person but it's also not really sure how it feels about that or how to deal with this information or like what to do with the fact that these humans are willing to like live with it and treat it like a person rather than object and at the end of the novella after having saved the day Murderbot ends up leaving and going on its own to kind of explore the galaxy and see what it can do on its own and the next two novellas Artificial Condition and Rogue Protocol are about Murderbot's adventures on its own as it pretends to be an augmented human rather than a sec unit. And then the fourth novella features it returning to help the original crew when they're in trouble. I do feel like All Systems Red does a good job of kind of setting up like not only this really far future world and the fact that you're reading from the perspective of something that doesn't think like a human, but also the very human conflict that comes with Murderbot kind of developing feelings and emotional connections to other people through all systems red and kind of being like, wait, I'm experiencing an emotion. What is this? I don't know how to deal with it. It's a really great arc. The world that this takes place in is pretty lightly sketched out in all systems red because it's only like 140 pages and the location is only one planet, but you get a pretty good sense of what the world is like just from how Murderbot and the other characters talk about it. And like I said, uh, Murderbot belongs to this company that is just called The Company. We don't know its name, but from how Murderbot has been treated in the past versus how this new team of scientists treat it, you get a pretty good look at like how Preservation Ox, which is the name of this company, differs from a lot of other people in the galaxy. And the fact that Murderbot is just like really confused when they're like, hey, do you want to like sit down? Do you want to talk to us? Do you want to like hang out in our room and, and Murderbot's just like, I don't know what to do about this. I'm just a bodyguard. I'm supposed to stand by the door and not talk to you. I don't know what to do. You know what part I found surprisingly relatable? Murderbot mentions a couple of times that because it's used to like wearing armor all the time and like having a face shield, when it's not in armor, it like doesn't know how to cope with having facial expressions. And because I'm so used to wearing a mask everywhere, I don't, I'm like not used to showing people my face and like, when I'm outdoors and not wearing a mask with people, I'm like, right, they can like see my facial expressions. I don't know how to deal with that. And it was kind of surprisingly relatable. I know that also occurred to me when I was rereading All Systems Red for the first time since the pandemic started. And it was weird to be like, you know, there are a lot of things with this character that I find relatable, but I wouldn't think that would be one of them. Because while Murderbot is part robot, it's also part like cloned human. So its face looks like a person. It just wears armor all the time. And so when the preservation ox people are like, hey, do you want to like 
take off your armor, like maybe you sit down and talk to us and merge about us. It's completely appalled. It doesn't know how to control its facial expressions and it's really funny. It's amazing. Also, both of us have been referring to Murderbot as it because like Murderbot is a genderless created construct and doesn't seem to like have any use for stuff like human gender or like the concept of sex or romance. So that's like, it uses that pronoun for itself in the novella, just to be clear. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that this novella series does bring up the idea of like, maybe artificial constructs want to be like people and experience like romance and sex and Murderbot is just like, no, no, thank you. None of that for me. I'm, I'm totally happy as I am. I feel like one thing that I think Martha Wells does really well in this series is just writing a narrative voice of something that's not human and just like views and processes the world really differently. Because like you said, Murderbot does have organic parts but it also has like an artificial intelligence parts and it's sort of both of those things combined and just the way it will like process information or like the way it can replay videos or like pull up feeds and stuff makes it think really differently from a human and I think that's done really well in this novella and the other ones. Yeah I think it's mentioned a few times in later ones that Murderbot is like uncomfortable in rooms that don't have cameras in it because it's used to looking out through its own eyes but also the eyes of the cameras and when it can't do that it's like this feels wrong like I don't have many as many eyes as I'm supposed to. So I think that was really interesting because obviously there are a lot of books with cyborg characters but they're usually still partially human enough that their narration still kind of reads like a person whereas in this case Murderbot really does have a totally different way of processing the world even if the way they think about the world is very human and relatable. There is also like a cast of human characters that also feature in All Systems Red because Murderbot is sort of trying to take care of this team of I think they're geologists who are kind of examining this world for the potential for terraforming. Um, so there, there's human characters in the story as well as Murderbot, though a lot of them are like pretty thinly sketched in the first novella, except Dr. Mensa, who's in charge of the crew and sort of becomes like Murderbot's like default person because she's in charge of the team and like therefore is in charge of how they interact with Murderbot. But otherwise it's very focused on like the internal life of this robot, I would say. Yeah, you get a few details about the human characters in this novella, but Murderbot is kind of focused. However, Murderbot is mostly focused on saving these people from whatever danger they're in, so it doesn't really care about like their romantic drama or like what kind of life they have back on home. So you have some info about them in this novella, but you learn more about them in later installments. I really like Dr. Mensah. She's like this cool doctor who's also kind of in charge of their crew and she's like one of the first people that actually treats Murderbot like a person and sits down and is like well the company says that this construct doesn't have feelings but obviously it does and if it has feelings that means it's a person and therefore I should treat it like a person so she's a very interesting character there's also actually a short story from her point of view that takes place later in the series which is also super good and I really liked reading it Another thing that I liked about this novella is the way that Murderbot is like shamelessly addicted to consuming media because like we said, it's an artificial intelligence so it can kind of like access entertainment feeds and it's like really specifically invested in this one. You get the sense it's like a really trashy soap opera called The Rise and Fall of Sanctuary Moon and Murderbot's like, I don't really enjoy interacting with humans but like I'm really invested in these fictional humans and their drama. It's great. Yeah, I definitely got the sense that the shows that Murderbot watches are kind of trashy because sometimes they like throw out random plot points and they definitely sound like the sci-fi version of soap operas and it will just like download like a hundred episodes of this TV show and while it's standing in the corner guarding its humans it'll just actually be watching uh, TV which is great. 
uh, it's sort of an interesting exploration of like the necessity of escapist media which you wouldn't really expect to find in kind of a hard science fiction story about artificial intelligence but i think that's like one of the things that makes Murderbot so relatable because we can all relate to being like, I just would like to escape the world and go watch something fun and trashy and turn off my brain. And that's kind of like Murderbot's main motivation is like, I would like to deal with these humans and then I'd like to go back to my room and I would like to absorb myself watching TV instead of like dealing with real life emotions. It's incredibly relatable. And multiple times Murderbot mentions that because it has hacked its governor module and therefore doesn't have to obey the orders of the company anymore, it will just like delete random packets of data that the company sends it in order to make room for TV, which is incredibly valid, honestly. And also it turns out to be plot relevant later because it turns out that the people who are trying to sabotage uh, preservation ox keep trying to send Murderbot like corrupted malware and it just keeps deleting it so it can download more episodes of Sanctuary Moon which is honestly so hilarious. I know that part was so funny. I also love when it becomes obvious that like consuming so much human media has kind of affected the way that Murderbot thinks about humans or like navigates the world like there are moments trying to be like on the entertainment feed this is what they call an oh shit moment it's just like the way that murderbot has kind of learned to be human by like watching and mimicking humans on tv is really funny yeah it's honestly delightful especially because murderbot watches all this tv but but it doesn't actually interact with humans that much in like a human way prior to start this novella so it doesn't have like any experience talking to people or like hanging out with them or just like being casually friends with a human because it's not supposed to do that. So it watches all this TV and it has no idea how to do that in real life, which is why it's so appalled when Preservation Ox first starts treating it like a human being. I love Murderbot. Like we said, there are several novellas in the series and the second one, Artificial Conditions, kind of features Murderbot striking out on its own and being independent for the first time because the galaxy that Mensa and the crew from All Systems Red are from does kind of accept artificial intelligences and like augmented humans, but you need to have like a human guardian to kind of control you. And Murderbot's like, I don't want to be owned by a human. I want to go off and like have my own adventures and figure out what I want to do. So at the end of All Systems Red, it leaves behind Mensa and the original crew and kind of strikes out to go find its own job and adventures. And it ends up getting hired by a group of young scientists. And once again, finds itself caring about humans, even though it pretends not to. It's very fun because it has a whole new cast of characters, but in this case, Murderbot is doing this of its own free will, and it spends the whole time being like, why am I doing this? I could just be sitting in my room all day watching TV. Why am I taking care of the humans? I don't need to be doing this, and yet I find myself caring about them somehow. It's also interesting because in this novella, Murderbot is pretending to be an augmented human, which is like what they call cyborgs, so someone who might have been like born made out of like flesh and bone, but now has maybe like some kind of metal in their brain or like an artificial limb or something. So Murderbot has to like very actively pretend not to be what it actually is, which was kind of interesting because Murderbot physically and mentally is very different from a human. So it's kind of like putting on this charade for a full novella, trying to pretend that it's just a regular human and being like, don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Murderbot realizes in this novella that it doesn't really know how to be a human, even though it spends all of its time watching TV about humans. So it has to kind of do like some research on like, how do humans walk? How do humans talk? What do humans look like? What kind of clothing do humans wear? Also kind of unrelated, but one thing that I enjoyed in this installment was that it includes a character who is human and uses neo pronouns because one of the scientists that hires Murderbot uses um, T-ter pronouns. So like the idea that it's someone who is human but doesn't adhere to like the male female gender binary, which I enjoyed because 
Murderbot is a character that's like outside of the gender binary, but that's kind of because it's not human and like doesn't really see the point of those kind of human constructs. But like obviously there are human people who like don't identify as male or female. So I kind of like that it's a science fiction story that has like this artificial intelligence robot that doesn't adhere to human binary genders, but also like shows that there are actual humans that like fall into those, like don't fall into those categories, which I appreciated. Yeah, I appreciated that too. I think it can sometimes be like a bit of a stereotype in media, especially sci-fi and fantasy, when only the non-human characters are not cis and straight. So I liked that that was not the case in this novella. Also, it gets mentioned a lot that various characters are like in polyamorous marriages. Apparently it's super common in this far future thing for people to be like in big marriages with like three or four partners and like five children, which is kind of interesting because I guess it shows how much culture has changed in all of the centuries leading up to this super far future galaxy that the series takes place in. Yeah, I mean, Murderbot isn't like conducting anthropological studies on the culture of humans, but you still get these little details throughout the novellas that sort of general human culture has evolved a lot since, you know, our time, because this presumably takes place like very far in the future. And there are just like certain things that are much more common in Murderbot's world, like people who use different pronouns or people who are in like marriages with multiple partners. So even though Murderbot isn't like intensely focused on categorizing everything about human culture and life, we, you as the readers still kind of get the sense that there are some differences from our world and the world of Murderbot's galaxy. So, you know, it might be a little bit of a capitalistic hellscape that likes to treat people like objects, but at least nice crews like Preservation Ox will have a couple of spouses waiting for them at home. Also, uh, this novella includes a character that I really, really enjoy, which is that Murderbot kind of befriends the IA of a ship that it's traveling on and nicknames it Art, which is short for Asshole Research Transport. And they just have this really delightful relationship because they're both artificial intelligences and they're both like a little bit of assholes. And they also love media and just like watch TV together, but they don't necessarily get along and it's kind of great. I love Art. I think Art may actually be my second favorite character in this entire novella series. Art is just really fun because like you said, it's the artificial intelligence of this ship that Murderbot is traveling on and they kind of make this deal that like Murderbot can travel on the ship and Art will not tell people that it is a sec unit in exchange for Murderbot giving it all of the media that it has. So they just like watch TV in silence together and sometimes they like bond over the fact that they don't want to care about humans but they do and it's great. I also like that it means this novella series is like humanizing a very non-humanoid artificial intelligence because Murderbot is a security unit, but it, it still looks like a human and with like some augmentation and a lot of like careful acting, it can pass as a human. Art is a, a research transport, so it doesn't look like a human, it looks like a ship. Even if it's like really smart, it just doesn't, it's not anything like what we would consider like a person but you still get it humanized and it kind of cares about people and it likes watching trashy TV shows and it has banter with Murderbot. So I kind of like that this series is kind of all about creatures that wouldn't be considered like people being humanized by the narrative and that like extends to things that don't even look like humans at all. Murderbot and Art just have like such a wonderful relationship to read about because Art is kind of an asshole, hence the nickname, but so is Murderbot. So they sort of match and they just like gradually watch TV together and they complain about humans, but they actually secretly care about them. Also that scene where Murderbot is being interviewed for a position as a security consultant and pretending to be human was really, really funny because Murderbot's being hired as a bodyguard by some young people and is like desperately trying to pass as a human. And Art is like kind of 
hovering like in the ether behind Murderbot, like offering really unhelpful advice and like doing the sci-fi equivalent of like Googling everything and pulling up all these links and saying this Murderbot. And Murderbot's like, please, I'm just trying to focus on pretending to be a human. And meanwhile, these young scientists that are trying to hire Murderbot have like no idea what a bodyguard is supposed to be doing. So everyone in this scene is pretending really hard to pretend to know what they're doing, but they actually don't. Murderbot is like, is this how a human bodyguard is supposed to behave? And the humans are like, what is the bodyguard supposed to do? And they're just kind of like muddling their way through it. It's great. It's just, it's truly comedy gold. But but then you sort of get like kind of some nice development between, between Murderbot and the crew that it is hired by because it like starts to care about the humans again and kind of realizes that the clients kind of take comfort from being around it. And it's like, oh no, I am developing more inconvenient emotions and attachment to humans. Yeah, there's this really great part where they're kind of in danger because these scientists had their research stolen by a big corporation and they're trying to get it back, but the corporation doesn't like that. So they're all kind of in danger and they're like on a, like I think they were on a shuttle transport going somewhere and Murderbot realizes that one of its clients takes comfort from sleeping in the same room as Murderbot because it makes them feel safer. And Murderbot is just like, what do I do with the information that another person finds me comforting? I do not know what to do with this info, help. It's great. I just, I love Murderbot and its inconvenient emotions about humans. It's wonderful. This novella also has a slightly more serious turn because it's when we finally get an explanation of the incident that Murderbot named itself after, which is the time that it went rogue and killed a lot of human beings before it could hack its governor module. And so we learned that this happened at this place called Ganica Pit, which was like this really old mining operation. And Murderbot over the course of this novella goes back to Ganica Pit to try to piece together what happened there because in like the human part of its brain it can sort of remember what happened but the artificial part of its brain is completely wiped so they only have like half fragmented memories of what happened so they know that something really bad occurred but they're not really quite sure what so they decide to go back to Ganica Pit to get the whole picture and they end up discovering that along with the other constructs in the mine, it was infected with malware by a rival company in an attempt to sabotage the mining, but it actually backfired and all the constructs became mindless killing machines and slaughtered all the humans in the mine instead. So basically it was a complete accident. It was just a result of the secunists once again being treated like objects and the humans not knowing what they're doing and going too far in their sabotage attempt. And so Murderbot like reconstructs all these data logs that it discovers in the abandoned mine and kind of discovers like, all of this was for no reason. It was just another stupid capitalism sabotage attempt that went too far. And it made me really sad because it just kind of emphasizes the way that the company and other corporations kind of only treat Murderbot and the other sec units as things to be used rather than people. And the fact that Murderbot did this horrible thing in its past, but it was not under its own control and it still feels a lot of guilt about it just made me very emotional. Yeah, that made me sad because the main reason that Murderbot hacked its governor module was because it doesn't want to ever do something like that again and be unable to stop it. And even though at that point, like, it didn't have free will, it still really cared about humans and, like, felt guilty that this kind of thing had happened under its watch. So really the whole series just results from this tragedy that happened because Murderbot did not have the agency to, like, stop itself from doing this. And it felt very like coming full circle for Murderbot to return to like kind of the scene of the crime and reconstruct the memories and realize that it and all the other constructs that were part of this massacre were like essentially blameless because they were just sort of pawns in this game being played between two corporations that ultimately saw like the lives of people and like the well-being of constructs is just sort of expendable. 
So I really liked that the sequence kind of had Murderbot going back and investigating its own past and sort of finding some amount of closure regarding it. There's actually another thread in this novella that also features the idea of these constructs being treated like objects rather than people because the evil scientists that stole the good scientists research are using this construct as like a go-between and instead of a second instead of a sex unit they're using a comfort unit which is basically like a fancy way of saying sex bot and this construct is like not at all the kind of thing that people are supposed to be using in a potentially dangerous situation and like it really can't go up against sex units when push comes to shove and like the murder bot knows that it could very easily kill the comfort unit if it has to and the comfort unit knows that and the scientists know that and the evil scientists also know that but it's just kind of like this upsetting thing of like this robot being forced to do something that it doesn't want to and murder bot like seeing these scientists mistreating it in a way that it wasn't meant to be used and it made me sad also yeah that was sad like the way when murder bot encounters the comfort unit and it's kind of like we are kind of the same in some ways but when it comes down to it, I am more prepared to be in this situation than you. And you're just kind of being used as a tool by people who see you as completely expendable. And if worse comes to worse, I will have to kill you. It was just sad. Happily at the climax of the novella, Murderbot does kill the head evil scientist, which was extremely satisfying because throughout the whole novella, this evil scientist has been like extorting Murderbot's clients and like sending this robot into situations that it's not at all supposed to be in and then at the end murder bot just kind of like snaps and kills it for harming one of its clients and i was like yay murder for once i'm happy that murder occurred go murder bot I-, I overall liked this novella because it's sort of about murder bot going out on its own and kind of grappling with its past but also developing new relationships and sort of trying to figure out where it belongs in the universe and i thought that was kind of a satisfying follow-up to all systems red because all systems red is when murder bot having hacked its governor module and having gained like kind of some free will sort of comes to a head and people realize that it's not just a mindless security unit anymore and the novella that comes after that is sort of an explanation of like so you have free will and you're not indebted to a corporation like what do you do with yourself also it is like the other novella still really funny because there's this part where art and Murderbot encounter another construct that wants to kill all humans and Art is like, that's irrational. And Murderbot's like, I know, if all the humans were dead, who would make the media? Which just made me laugh really hard. Murderbot has very specific priorities, I guess. <laughs> I can't really blame it, honestly. It's in your fault. Oh, you're right, okay. So the third novella in this series is Rogue Protocol, which follows Murderbot going out on some more adventures. In this case, it's trying to collect more info on the previous crimes of a corporation. So it travels to an abandoned terraforming facility on another planet, but it ends up running into a group of humans. And also their pet bot, Mickey, who is kind of treated as an equal by the humans. Mickey offers a really interesting perspective to Murderbot because it seems to want to be respected and loved by the humans. And it seems kind of like a friend or a pet. And Murderbot absolutely does not know what to do with this. It does not know how to deal with the fact that there are humans that treat bots like a friend even though they're not human so that's kind of an interesting new perspective and a character that like provides a different side of the galaxy yeah i I wrote down the quote of murderbot kind of first encountering mickey just because i liked it a lot it's murderbot going mickey was a bot who had never been abused or lied or treated with anything but indulgent kindness it really thought humans were its friends because that's how they treated it i signaled to mickey that i would be withdrawing for one minute i need to have an emotion in private 
once again, Murderbot is very relatable. I also had feelings about Mickey because Mickey is like this cute little robot that hangs out with his scientist friends. And at the end of the novella, Mickey dies to save the humans from some evil robots they discover in the terraforming facility. And it made me really sad. I think that Mickey is the first death of like a major character in the series because Ganica Pit happened before the series starts. And it really hit when I read it. I was sad because Mickey is like this sweet, innocent character that just wants to be friends with its humans and with Murderbot. And eventually it sacrifices its own life to save its friends from like this evil corporation that's trying to kill them because they have found out info they're not supposed to know. Yeah, that was sad, especially the way that Murderbot is fully aware that Mickey kind of had a choice between saving itself or saving its humans and it makes this really selfless choice. I, I feel like I like that each of these novellas so far has shown Murderbot interacting with different types of bots and artificial intelligences because in the first one we get the sense like we get to know who Murderbot is and what a security unit is and then in the second one we meet Art and in the third one we meet Mickey and they're all very different sort of subgenres of the same type of character and they all kind of offer Murderbot a different perspective on like what it means to be a robot or an artificial intelligence in this galaxy and how different people treat them. I mean Mickey even has a name Murderbot named itself but it's only just called sec unit by other people and art has been nicknamed by Murderbot it's just a ship whereas Mickey like has a name it has friends the friends talk to it like a person and Murderbot like doesn't really know how to handle this and is occasionally like honestly just astonished that people would ever be friends with a bot but by the over the course of the novella it kind of becomes friends with mickey and understands like that there are people in the galaxy who consider bots to be their friends and that not everyone treats them just like objects and that maybe dr mensa and her crew aren't completely unique except that at the end of the novella mickey dies which is very sad yeah poor mickey also um one topic that I have found kind of interesting that's come up a couple of times with these novellas is the idea of companies like mining or selling your private data because it's just a very timely topic that is definitely not something from like a far future science fiction world. And it, it's brought up a couple of times because part of Murderbot's job as a security unit is to record its clients for any potentially like useful information or data and then send any kind of interesting stuff that could be used as like leverage to the company that owns it, which is a very timely subplot because it's definitely like mining and selling people's data is something that happens in this actual world, not simply in like far future worlds where there's, you know, artificial security and stuff like that. So I find it sort of an interesting thread throughout these novellas. It's not necessarily been like the main focus so far, but it's definitely something that feels like a very realistic result of a galaxy being ruled by like these corporations that really just care about money and even treat people as kind of like objects or pawns. Yeah, the actual plot of the novella also involves a bit about information and data because the plot is kind of kicked off when Murderbot, who has once again disguised itself as a augmented human bodyguard, goes on a trip with like this human crew to try to discover information about the corporation that was trying to kill its crew way back in the first novella. And they do end up discovering some info that this corporation wanted to keep silent and the corporation ends up trying to kill everyone because of this. And so like, it's kind of this um, theme of like these corporations have all this power and they want to like keep their power and their secrets and they really don't want other people to get any data from them. But at the same time, they're also sending out their sec units to record every single conversation that their clients have and then send it back to them for anything potentially interesting. And Murderbot like 
it's very normalized about recording info. Like it'll just be like, ah, oh, yes, I recorded all of my clients' conversations on this job. It was super boring. But when you think about it, it's actually kind of horrifying. Like someone is watching everything you do and sending it back to someone else. And I think that kind of gets explored in this novella because like the main villain are these people that like want to steal all your data and don't want you to get any of their data that are proving they're a bad person. So it's kind of an interesting story about like a surveillance state, but in like a far future galaxy. Yeah. It's an interesting thread throughout these novellas. Another thing that sort of has popped up throughout these novellas is the idea that Murderpot is really annoyed at the way that sec units who go rogue are always depicted as evil in the media because Murderbot is a rogue sec unit who is not being controlled by a corporation and kind of has free will because it's hacked its government module, but it just basically uses that to watch TV and make decisions that save people's lives. But like in media, if a sec unit goes rogue, it's always going to become like a mass killer or something. And it's sort of fun because Murderbot finds this really annoying, but it's also that the preconceived notions about what rogue sec units will act like also allow it to kind of fly under the radar and pretend to be an augmented human because no one expects that a sec unit that's not being controlled by the government would like want to help people and not want to harm them. And that's kind of an interesting idea that has sort of popped up throughout this. I think one of the reasons that Murderbot likes the rise and fall of Sanctuary Moon is that it doesn't feature any rogue sec unit characters. Yeah, it's definitely mentioned a few times that Murderbot will start watching a TV show and then there'll be like a rogue sec unit character that starts killing everyone and then Murderbot will just turn off in annoyance because that's not at all how it is in real life, which is definitely an interesting thread. I think it kind of ties into the idea of like sec units are not treated like people in this world, so like why would they be portrayed as people in TV as well? And the fact that Murderbot kind of stays away from anything that actually portrays sec units just because it's so inaccurate to its own experience. Also, once again, Sanctuary Moon comes up because there's a part near the climax where Murderbot is like, I have an idea. I have a plan. I got it from Sanctuary Moon. It's a really terrible plan, but I'm going to save you all with it. I love that part. Murderbot just being like, I've been watching some trashy TV and I have a terrible plan for how to save you all. And of course it ends up working, but it's just funny that this literal security unit that is created to protect humans and like be strategic and stuff is getting ideas from terrible trashy soap opera TV shows. Also, this novella has sort of interesting, like, slightly horror vibes because a lot of it takes place on this empty terraforming station that Murderbot and the other people that it's with are going to investigate. So there's kind of like this sense of, like, you're on this abandoned station and nobody knows you're there and, like, maybe you're going to find some proof of, like, wrongdoing and then they start getting chased by murderous robots. So it feels a little bit like kind of like a locked room mystery because they can't get off of the terraforming station until they find what they came there for, but there are also murderous robots out to kill them. Yes, I enjoyed that. So the fourth novella in this series is Exit Strategy, which is kind of the culmination of the themes and plots that have been building over the previous three novellas, and it's kind of like a culmination of an arc of Murderbot's story. So although there are other novellas and novels after this, it kind of is a satisfying ending on its own. And the plot is that Murderbot has to go help the original crew from All Systems Red because Dr. Mensah is being held captive after the corporation assumed that Murderbot was acting under her orders when it was investigating wrongdoings in the previous novella. And it's kind of a fun story because you get to see all the characters from the original novella again, but Murderbot has kind of changed and developed and learned a bit more about being like an independent person in the galaxy on its own. So it's like a bit of a return to the original story, but with like character development and stuff. Yeah, I thought it was a really good sort of wrap up of some character arcs and stories that have been introduced in like the previous three novellas. 
And it also introduces the idea of these really intriguing alien artifacts that corporations have sort of been secretly searching for and coveting. I always find the trope of like things people don't quite understand that are left over from a previous technologically or magically like innovative society really intriguing. And there's sort of like some slight hints about this in the Murderbot novellas because like we said, a lot of the world building is like pretty thinly sketched because it is a very character focused science fiction story that's kind of more just about Murderbot's growth as a character and its interactions with other people. But there is also sort of these intriguing hints about like the world that Murderbot exists in. And one is that companies will occasionally find these really odd artifacts left over from previous unknown alien civilizations. And they're really coveted, but like you can kind of keep them under wraps. And that's sort of introduced as something that companies are kind of looking for and sort of collecting and hiding, which I find really intriguing. I'm hoping it's something that's elaborated on in future installments. I have heard that it comes up more in the full-length novel, which makes me excited to read it because it's definitely very interesting, but Murderbot itself doesn't have any experience with that, so it's kind of not hugely on its radar. It just gets mentioned a few times in the background. But largely, a lot of this novella is kind of Murderbot grappling with questions of like autonomy and friendship because it left behind Mensa and her team at the end of All Systems Red because it didn't want to need a human guardian and it kind of wanted to strike on its own and become like independent security unit. But now it's being sort of forced to come back and help out these humans from the very first novella. And that sort of leads it to question where it belongs and what its relationship with this crew is really. Yeah, because Murderbot doesn't really know where it wants its place among humans to be because it doesn't want to be a sec unit that's just treated like an object anymore, but it also doesn't really want to be like a pet robot like Mickey. So it kind of has this problem like I'm independent now, but I still have to find a place for myself in the world. And it has spent like the past two novellas kind of exploring its options and going different places, but it hasn't really settled on that answer. And it kind of needs to go back and like confront the people that kind of saved it from being a second in the first place and figure out like how to be an independent person without having to rely on them all the time about having to like have them control it like a second is supposed to be controlled. So it's kind of interesting that Murderbot is grappling with these themes of autonomy because it can be an independent person but in the galaxy that it lives in it's not supposed to be so like what does it do what does it do with its life then and i think this sort of being the culmination of the four novella arc is really satisfying because we have in the first novella murderbot having hacked its governor module is sort of revealed it starts to have relationships with humans that move just beyond sort of client and security unit and in the next two novellas it sort of bops around the galaxy interacts with more humans tries to pretend it's a human but that doesn't quite work out and then in the fourth one, it returns back to the original humans who first learned that Murderbot is more than just a security unit controlled by the government and sort of has to confront the problems that it ran away from at the end of All Systems Red. There's also more development to Murderbot and Dr. Mensah's relationship that started in All Systems Red because Dr. Mensah is kidnapped by an evil corporation and Murderbot has to go save it. And it's kind of emotional because Murderbot is like, oh no, I have realized that because this person is being held captive, I actually care about them a lot and I want them to be okay and I have to rescue them. And it's a really good subplot in the book and it also involves Murderbot letting Mensa hug it after it has been rescued and Murderbot like does not like being touched very much it just doesn't really know what to do with that but it lets Dr. Mensa hug it after they escape her captors which is like kind of a big moment for the character and a lot of character growth kind of led up to that moment I think. Yeah that was really sweet because Murderbot has a hard time connecting emotionally with other human with with humans and even with other 
AIs and bots and it doesn't really know how to connect with people physically at all like it doesn't hug people it's not interested in sex or romance but the fact that it like sees that Dr. Mensah has just been through something very stressful and is like I think I know what would make you feel better and hugs her was really sweet and kind of showed that it's gone through a lot of character development and is like willing to open itself up and be vulnerable to other people. Also, there's a part where Murderbot thinks to itself, like, humans like warm things. I will increase my temperature by five degrees and allow Dr. Bensai to hug me, which was just very thoughtful. I love Murderbot. <laughs> it was just such a good example of the character's growth from previous novellas, because in the first novella, Murderbot, like, barely would even consider the idea of being in the same room as other people, let alone letting them touch it. And in this case, it's like, well, I'm not super comfortable with letting people touch me, but clearly Dr. Benson needs some comfort, so I'll, like, allow her to hug me for a little bit. Also, I like that Mensa and Murderbot have a conversation about why it likes Sanctuary Moon, because it's something that's been referenced, like, a lot of the previous novellas. And we get that Murderbot sort of enjoys this escapist media, but they have a bit of a conversation that's like, why does Murderbot care about this show? And why is it so invested in like fictional media when it finds it so hard to communicate with real humans? And it's the way that it makes Murderbot kind of feel like a person and sort of keeps it company without making it interact. And I just liked that there's sort of this sweet moment where like Murderbot opens up to a human and kind of explains its thought processes and like why it enjoys this seemingly really trashy TV show, despite being something that's like supposed to be strategic and just focused on its job. I love that part because in the galaxy that Murderbot lives in, there's like a lot of TV shows and a lot of media out there. But for some reason, Murderbot is particularly attached to Sanctuary Moon. And as we learn in this installment, Sanctuary Moon was like the first TV show that it ever watched once it hacked its governor module. So Sanctuary Moon kind of taught it to be a human and feel like a human and that's why it's so attached to it that was just a really nice moment between like Murderbot and Dr. Mensah and Murderbot kind of like allowing itself to open up and be a little bit vulnerable and honest about something for once. Also there's a bit where Murderbot is kind of reflecting on the conversation that it's had with Dr. Mensah and it thinks I hadn't been afraid that she wasn't my friend I had been afraid that she was and what it did to me. And I'm just like, ah, Murderbot, not knowing how to deal with caring about people is so important to me, actually. It's very important because if, if it doesn't know how to care about people, that's because it does and it wants to like do it right, but it doesn't really know how to. Exactly. Also, even though there is a fair amount of stuff about kind of Murderbot's emotional development and relationship with humans, there is also plenty of action and plot stuff in addition to kind of character stuff. And there's a very fun, like, kind of big pew-pew space battle against combat bots that's owned by the corporation that I really enjoyed because there's a really fun way that Martha Wells does fight scenes with Murderbot because, like we said, Murderbot has just such a different way of processing, understanding the world that reading fight scenes, it's often, like, very calm and cool and collected. But this fight scene is different because Murderbot is prepared to sacrifice itself to, like, take the combat bots down and make sure that the humans escape. It's just a very good scene. I had a lot of fun reading it. It was very stressful, there, but there are definitely a lot of good action sequences in la this last novella because there's also the part where Murderbot has to team up with the crew of Dr. Mensah's team to like save her from kidnapping. So they have to like coordinate their movements and like avoid the evil bots that want to capture them. And then they get Dr. Mensah and then they have to escape from the evil corporation once and for all. So it's like this very like stressful like dash of like rescue and getting away. And you're not totally sure if they're going to make it okay. And it also, was definitely stressful, but also good. Also the way that the company tries to send malware into the ship that they're using to escape. 
And Murderbot has to kind of like take over the ship's artificial intelligence and fight the malware. And it leads to Murderbot like kind of crashing and its memory getting like temporary wiped was like so stressful. It was very stressful because as we know from Genica Pit uh, incident, Murderbot can have its memory wiped. And so like as a side effect of taking control of the ship and trying to fight the malware, it like completely crashes and has to reboot. And there's a few pages where you're not sure like, is Murderbot going to be okay? Is it going to like wake up and not remember anything that happened from these novellas? Is it going to remember it's humans? And then it does wake up and it's all kids, but like it was still kind of stressful the first time I read it. Yeah, because you've seen Murderbot go through so much development over the past couple of novellas and meet new people and come to new understandings about its place in the galaxy and how it interacts with people. And then the idea that even if Murderbot is kind of like a cool invulnerable security bot that could like survive being shot multiple times, it might lose its memories was I think a good way of coming up with stakes that aren't just life. Because I think when you deal with characters that aren't human, and especially when you deal with something like Murderbot, that's like really primed for combat sequences. And like, there are multiple times where it'll get shot and like be like, if I was a human, I would definitely be dead now. But because it's an artificial construct that has like robot parts, as well as like cloned human material, it physically can survive a lot more than humans can. But I think the way that it then positions that Murderbot's memories and the like the emotional growth and development it's had over the like the past couple of novellas are at stake is a really good way of like making the reader stressed about the outcome of a fight and like the end of the novella because it's obvious that like it would take a lot to physically kill a Murderbot, but it would be possible to wipe its memory and to kind of like reset it to factory settings and it would just forget about all it's gone through over the past couple of novellas. And I thought like writing wise, that was a really smart way to kind of up the stakes and be like, yes, Murderbot probably isn't going to die, but it could lose all of its memories and sense of identity. And that's a very real thing that has happened to it before. Agreed. It was definitely a great sense of stakes. Murderbot's like nigh invulnerability is sometimes played for comedy. Like it'll get shot like three times. And the humans are like, Murderbot, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I heal faster than you. Or sometimes it'll be played for emotion. Like it'll get seriously injured. And the humans will be like, Murderbot, we care about the fact that you're injured. And Murderbot will be like, why? I'm just a sec unit. But the memory wipe thing was a new stake that was added in this novella. And I was definitely kind of stressed as I was reading it because Murderbot knew as it began to fight against this malware that it might get its memory wiped and might die. So you weren't really sure how it was going to go down. And it was definitely very good tension. I thought this was a really overall satisfying end to kind of the four novella arc that the first installments comprise because it sort of wraps up plot threads, but it also has Murderbot sort of returning to the crew from the original novella and trying to find its place with them. So there's like a lot of plot stuff and there's cool battles against corporations and kind of wrapping up some plot threats and threads that have been sort of hanging over people, but also there's a lot of emotional stuff and kind of dealing with its questions of autonomy and found family and where Murderbot like will belong and what it wants to do now that it's not owned by a corporation. And I found they were all like satisfyingly wrapped up together in a very short number of pages. Yeah, because as we know, Murderbot has been a second unit for a while and it's dealt with like a lot of wild situations and our clients have been in danger in a lot of different ways. But in this case, the stakes of the novella are different because the people who are in danger are people that Murderbot really cares about. And they're in danger like specifically because they tried to help it and they wanted to rescue it from the corporation that owned it. And so like the stakes in this feel very different because you're like, 
Murderbot cares so much about these people and like if it can't rescue them then like what's the point of it being independent if like it can't save its friends and it's very stressful but you also get some good emotional bits of Murderbot realizing that it actually does care about these people a lot and like it maybe doesn't quite know where it wants to be in the world but it knows that it has friends. It's just it's such a good novella series. I'm really excited to see where it goes because at the end of this novella, Murderbot doesn't quite know where it belongs or what it will do with itself in the future, but it knows that it kind of has a place to stay and figure that out and people who care about it while it's doing that. So it's kind of a satisfying setup for future installments because Murderbot is in a better place than when it started out, but there's still plenty of things that it needs to figure out. One thing that I found really satisfying about this novella series, I think it may actually be my favorite thing about it, is that it is about a artificial construct discovering its own humanity, but through platonic relationships rather than romantic love, because I think that there are a lot of pieces of media out there about like an AI falling in love and suddenly they're human because they can experience romantic love and like that's not necessarily a bad thing. I've enjoyed a lot of those types of media that I've read but I also think it's important to acknowledge that platonic friendships and relationships are really important to people and our own humanity and implying like just because someone's not interested in romance means they aren't human is also bad but in this case Murderbot becomes more human and realizes that it deserves to be treated like a human because it has friends and those friends care about it and it cares about its friends. And that was just like a really satisfying arc for me. I agree, definitely. Because I think it walks a fine line, this series between like Murderbot becomes more human and starts to care about people, but it doesn't become interested in having a human gender or like romantic or sexual relationship with people, which I think sometimes like artificial intelligence tropes can sort of be like not having these things is a symbol of not being human and being really different but also Murderbot never develops these things even as it becomes more human and starts to care about people and understand itself more and I think that worked well for me because like gender and romance are not like what makes someone human it's more about like caring about people and understanding the world and like wanting to make things better. And that's sort of what Murderbot's arc is over the course of the novellas. Like it doesn't have to have a gender or like be interested in marrying someone in order to be like considered a person and have autonomy and care about others, which I kind of liked. And the other characters in the series also respect this. Like in the second novella, when Art and Murderbot are discussing how it can pass more as a human, Art is like, would you like to have a gender? And Murderbot is like, no, thank you. And then Art just kind of leaves it at that. It's like, okay, well, if you're not going to gender yourself here, like other ways you can pass as a human. And no one on the Preservation Ox team ever like asks Murderbot if it's interested in having a romantic relationship with anyone. They're just like, this is our friend that we care about. It is a human because it de deserves to be treated as one. Exactly. And I think the fact that we know that there are humans in the Murderbot novella series world that either like don't adhere to the gender binary and use different pronouns or like don't kind of have our sort of like strictly monogamous heterosexual idea of relationships makes the fact that Murderbot also doesn't fit into those less like these things are inherently non-human and like if you were a human you would have these things and more just like some people have these and some people don't have these, but like not having them doesn't make them less human or like deserving of respect. Yeah, and I really liked that because that's something that I've occasionally noticed when I'm consuming media with robots. Like, are they equating the idea of experiencing romantic love with being human? Or are they acknowledging that like being human is about caring about people in lots of different ways? And in this case, I think that novella series did it really well while also still adhering to the core idea that Murderbot is extremely grouchy and would just please like to be left alone to watch TV. But if it really needs to help its humans, it'll be there. Basically, 
in the wise words of Never the Twins Shall Meet, Ugh, I have so many murder bot emotions. Help me. And with that, we've been Never the Twins Shall Meet. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at NeverTwinsCast or on Instagram at Never the Twins Shall Meet or on Tumblr at NeverTheTwinsShallMeet.tumblr.com. Additionally, you can also send us emails with questions or feedback or whatever at NeverTheTwinsShallMeet at gmail.com or just find out more at our website at NeverTheTwinsShallMeet.com. And also, if you've been enjoying these episodes, why not go rate them on something like iTunes or Apple Podcasts?